0: Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the no BS marketing podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests,
1: stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the up. We built this brand from nothing to Something in seven years by taking risks, whether that be partnering with Adidas, traditionally what you don't do in the footwear industry, partner with your rivals, and we did, and we collaborated on a product where it's writing to the fashion industry, urging them to start to label their products with their carbon footprint because we believe that's the future. And so those moments of, of creativity and risk taking have been inflection moments for, for the brand, and I don't think you get where we've got. In seven years, following a traditional marketing playbook, even if one exists anymore. Wistia is a complete video platform that lets you make high quality videos fast right in your browser.
0: Record your face and screen, use AI to write scripts, even add background music. Try Wistia for free at wistia.com/millennials. Welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Millennials. Today, I have the founder of Allbirds, Tim Brown. Unfortunately, he's an All Blacks fan, and we'll, we'll get over that in this podcast. But he did go to University of Cincinnati, so excited about that. Now, I want to ask him the first question is, how did you even think about Allbirds and starting
1: Allbirds? Yeah, thanks for having me, Daniel. I, I grew up in New Zealand, the land of lots of sheep, and... Uh, I, uh, after graduating from the university we both went to uh, in Cincinnati, out of the design school there, I was very fortunate to have a professional sporting career, playing soccer or football in in, in my part of the world, and uh, I was back in New Zealand playing in the A-League in Australia, sponsored by one of the big sportswear companies that shall not be named, and really had an epiphany that, that there was an opportunity to bring a different design approach to the world of footwear that it was heavily logoed and from my point of view over-designed and there was, an, there was a big opportunity for simple. So the first insight was really was really design driven and it was followed by the observation that the world of footwear heavily relied on plastic materials and that there was potentially an opportunity going back to nature. New Zealand uh, has had a long association with Merino wool and um, I was reading a magazine in my apartment in Wellington one day about the decline of the, the wool industry and put those two things together and set out on what ended up being a multi-year journey to work out how to make a shoe. It turns out that's not easy. It turns out it's especially not easy when you're making it out of a material that had never been used before. but. Uh, It was really curiosity was the starting point and I I really had no business getting into that business because I knew nothing about it. I
0: want to go into how your marketing started at Allbirds and then now what is it? I know you're going back to your roots at Allbirds today. So what what are those roots that you're going back to in the core principles?
1: Well, a couple of the insights we just described, I like to think that Allbirds was founded on three insights. There's a design insight around this idea of the right amount of nothing, of simplicity, of minimalism. Two, it's about uh, natural materials and the idea that they create an extraordinary feeling of comfort. Comfort is the number one reason why people buy shoes, but it's often equated with ugliness. So uh, putting those two things together is quite important. And then thirdly, our purpose, which was born when I met my co-founder some years later, is anchored in the idea that we're in the early chapters of a sustainable revolution, a fundamental rethink of all the products and services that we use. And there's a huge opportunity in the fashion industry that's largely been playing lip service to this idea. Um, and so at the intersection of those three pillars are birds products, and it's not enough just to do one. It, this can't just be a design story, and it's not enough just to be a, a, about comfort and um, natural materials. It also needs to be about living our purpose. And at the intersection of those three things are the products that we make. And that simple construct was the starting point for launching Allbirds on the 1st of March 2016. I retired from sport, went back to school, spent some time at Northwestern University back in the States. I had a professor called Carter Cast, who took a famous entrepreneurship class that I ran this idea for a merino wool shoe through as a graduate student. And he called me into his office afterwards and he said, I've been teaching this class for a long long time this is by far and away the worst idea that i've seen you should put it on kickstarter or something so that it can fail and you can move on with your life because i am worried that you're going to be one of those guys that tries tries this for a long time and makes themselves unhappy and that was a gift and of course he's a friend and a mentor and all the things that happen when you lean into <laughs> you know oftentimes people are that honest because they they see something in you uh, but what was really interesting f- from a marketing and storytelling point of view is that I went on the Kickstarter platform to launch this whole thing in 2014. And so I was forced to take this product and shoot a video. And I knew that the first 15 seconds of that video were critical. Like if I didn't get a, a singular message across, people would stop watching. And uh, I, I needed to, to tell the simplest possible uh, story. So it was my first foray really into quote unquote, marketing and, and forcing myself to be really, really clear with a story that I want to tell to the world.
0: I think it's always funny because usually the simplest and best ideas are always usually hated by someone and they usually have haters, but it's always coming from like an athlete background. It's that stepping stone that actually drives you to want to succeed because someone's telling you, hey, that's a bad idea and you deeply believe in it. So I, I love that someone told you and someone that you respected told you that and it was like i'm still going to do it who cares but i think his insight of doing the kickstarter campaign was smart to just test if there's a market for this or not
1: if everyone tells you your idea is really good it's probably not um and i i think there's a couple of things from that i i think there is definitely the athletes mentality there which if someone you know and in many ways carter was coaching me right he was trying to pull the best out of me by by challenging me so he probably had some insight into my psychology but there's also the sense that you need to push through these barriers but what i found was the idea was really resilient even months later people would come back and and say hey wh- whatever happened with that wool shoe idea it didn't invent wool <laughs> certainly didn't invent shoes many of the the best ideas are, are somehow sort of right in front of us i like to sort of say Oftentimes the best businesses are born in the cracks in the pavement, that obvious thing that maybe people have missed, that you then connect into big ideas about the world. And in our particular case, we were making a singular product. We launched with one shoe, which we were told by many people in the footwear industry would never work. And a very, very simple story about comfort. And Time magazine picked that up and called it the world's most comfortable shoe the week we launched, which was extraordinary. And then at the same time, the whole foundation of the business was connected to a very, very big idea about revolution and dare I say it, disruption, and a fundamental rethink of products that we use every day. And believing that climate change was the problem of our generation and that it was a fun, you know, this was a really important moment in time to sort of shift the whole category. So very short, near-term, clear product focus connected to big idea and purpose and that purpose has been invaluable for us Uh, i like to sort of think you know the products will come and go and they'll change but your purpose is immortal and so i think that 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 construct was very very clear from us from the beginning and that high-low juxtaposition of those two ideas was really really central to how we got we got moving
0: i i think it's cool that you guys got picked up by the times magazine how did you because when i First heard about all birds. It used to be a like, Oni people in Silicon Valley, or it used to be like the Silicon Valley, you wear all birds and you wear like a Patagonia vest. So how did it shift
1: to like Silicon Valley loving the product so much? You know, it's like so much of this stuff. There's a little bit of smart thinking and 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 a large amount of luck. At the end of the day, we made a great product. It doesn't really matter how much you market something if the product's no good. And just to give you some sort of context on the time, because I also want to debunk the idea that this happened overnight, <laughs> because it didn't. Uh, I probably started working on thinking about a shoe in 2007. I found a factory in my off season. I was still playing professional sport, dreaming of going to a World Cup in New Zealand at that stage. Achieved that dream very fortunately in 2010, retired and went to business school in 2012. So five years of probably going through hundreds of prototypes. I found factories online and visited them in my off-season. I knew nothing about shoes. The first shoes were horrific. They looked like they were created. I don't even want to know. You don't even want to know. But you keep going, you keep going, you keep going. And then I got to grad school. I met Carter. I started to think about this more as a business. Launched on Kickstarter in 2014. Joey, my co-founder, was one of the early Kickstarter customers, and we launched Allbirds on the 1st of March 2016 with one shoe that at that stage I'd been working on for the better part of a decade. And it was a very simple idea around comfort, and I got that idea wrong, actually, in the Kickstarter. So it took some time to have the confidence to be simple. I think people assume simple is easy, it's it's actually extraordinarily difficult, and uh, you know, to refine something to its core essence and to an idea that connects to something that people want. And so that was just a journey, and it was a journey, I think, with very much an athletic mindset underpinning it, Daniel, which is you get a little bit better every day, and if you stick with something long enough, lo and behold, over time, you get good at it.
0: The most simplest ideas are actually the most complex to execute, because and that's like marketing 101. If you... Every, your messaging has to be simple, but it starts at a complex place, and you have to take a a, a way to shape it and make it into a way that's understanding, that's simple, that gets the messaging through. Same with the shoe; you took it took years thinking of like that Michelangelo sculpture, just like sculpting away, trying to figure out that simple idea. But it it goes through so many ugly iterations, and that's marketing. <laughs> gets, well,
1: I'd be I'd be hesitant to connect we'll run it to Michelangelo, but I appreciate the compliment. I mean, I, th- I think you know what is clear is that the nuance of this is really important. I mean, I think in some ways it's obvious. There's a tendency, and I see this a lot in early stage businesses. You want to talk about the 27 things that you're doing really well, and in some cases, even at Allbirds, as we've grown and you know we've we've gone from a, an apartment full of wool shoes that no one wanted to now a, a kind of a global business with a team of a thousand operating in lots of different companies as 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 a recently public company which has been an extraordinary seven years you know oftentimes when we've we've got outside of just this clear focus on a sim- simple singular idea we we've been less effective and perform less well but there's nuance to that so of those three pillars we learned really really importantly that there was a hierarchy to them that um you needed to the style and design really uh, unless that spoke to people or resonated with people, it didn't really matter. And so how you presented the product and how you crafted the product was important. And and people would make up their own mind about that. Comfort was the second thing, and it was in- incredibly subjective. You either felt it or you didn't. But when you put the shoe on, oftentimes it would sell itself. And then thirdly, not to diminish it, but the role of purpose and sustainability was often a, something that we wanted to talk about after the fact. One, because... Practically speaking, we never wanted to get out of our skis. Sustainability is a journey. It's a complicated topic. You're never perfect. However much you care about it, there's always things that you don't do well. But equally and more practically, there exists a sort of a say-do gap on that topic. When people hear that word, they assume something's more expensive and less good. And it's a complicated marketing landscape around environmental materials and environmental purpose. So... Again, just the nuance within the simple message and how we deliver it and how we maintain that discipline when we're at our best, I think it's really, really, really clear and really, really thoughtful. And then wrapping that up, and, and this is very much from my New Zealand roots, the pursuit of something I, th- I think New Zealanders, you know, and their rugby team included, pride themselves on going after things that are really important and serious but never taking themselves too seriously and I think the sense of irreverence and a sense of humor is the thing that I'm most proud of in our brand. I think it's the thing that differentiates ourselves from the rest of the category. I think it allows us to take a topic like sustainability that's very earnest and hopefully at our best bring a smile um, in the face of of going after that challenge. So I, th- I think it's a really, really important, the tonal approach to this and the consistency of that tone I'd like to think has been, has been really important for us as well.
0: I know you... I'll just launch the war Runner two. How does the old strategy blend with this new strategy of launching a new shoe, and why did you decide to launch the War Runner two into the market?
1: So we 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 launched the first war Runner that um, was shot with a video on a family friend's farm uh, in Pahataneui, just north of Wellington, um, for not very much money, and uh, um, my mum was in the video and. Uh, it was our launch strategy, really, for all birds in 2016, and through seven years of really extraordinary growth and um, and and building of the brand, uh, some along the way, we realised that this core product um, was something that we had left alone, uh, and that there was an opportunity to kind of revisit it. And along the way, I think we had a reflection too that, in the context of our marketing and our storytelling, we'd lost some of the focus. You know that I've just I've just championed, and I think it would be the first brand in history to go through a realization that there was an opportunity um, to, to 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 re-anchor to that focus, and that a lot of the the answers to what is now a much more complicated, much bigger business actually l- l- lay in going back to the beginning, and so. We very carefully crafted an update to the Wallrunner 2, which I'm really, really proud about, um, that we launched just a few weeks ago. It's been really, really well received. That um, is just a better product, uh, leveraging all the knowledge and extraordinary talent we have in the building that we didn't have when we first, we first launched. I think something like 15 improvements. There's also a 14% reduction in its carbon footprint, so it's leveraging a lot more of our environmental knowledge. And then... To launch it, we actually went back to that same farm, and I called my dad, who called his friend, who got us back onto the property, um, and we reshot it. and Mum was in, in it again, and it was really powerful, quite emotional, actually, and uh, an opportunity again to to tell the story that really is timeless, uh, and it's evolved a little bit. And uh, a, again, it, it felt it felt like a a powerful step forward to actually look back. To the, to, the, to the beginnings of the brand for where we are.
0: What is it like? Cause when you first started, you could do whatever you want with your marketing. You didn't, you weren't public. You were you could just do whatever. What is it like launching a new product now that you're public? What, what are, what is it, what is it? Could you give the audience a perspective of what it's like to launch a new
1: brand strategy for a product in a public company? Yeah, well, I mean, I think so much as public, non-public non-pub- is the biggest thing. I, I think all of a sudden, you know, you've necessarily gone from, you know, one or two people to many more than that and you've built processes and, you know, PDFs with strategic brand architectures that um, have started to uh, evolve that original thinking and necessarily so. It needed to. It needed to grow up, you know. I didn't and, you know, Joey and I, we didn't know what we were doing and, um and when we when we launched and 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 so uh but also along the way if you're not careful you can you can lose some sense of that creative spirit and um that ability to um you know to speak really simply and clearly to the to the, the one or two reasons why you exist and all the best brands and all the best stories there's always there's always one or two reasons <laughs> you know there's never it's usually you know uh, it's usually remarkably simple and yet we have a tendency to drift, to want to evolve, to want to change, to be something that we're not. There's lots of shiny objects and so um, it was It was in many ways creativity and maini- maintaining creativity at scale so you can continue to take risks and that you can continue to have, have fun and oftentimes what I've found is that that gets sanitized and not because of any ill, Ill intent, Daniel. It's just you tend to kind of want to satisfy a whole bunch of different really compelling stakeholders within an organization and before you know it your, your marketing's lost its edge and it's lost a, a you know a real sharp point of view and um, again not to say that it was really good and that's bad it's, it's far, far less clear than that but I, I, I do think that um, thinking about how creativity stays alive and well and really strong within an organization as it grows I think is a, is a really important and big question and not an easy challenge
0: I think a lot of marketers could resonate with the committees and having to go through those checks and balances in a bigger company. I think one of the things that I love about this campaign that you are running is I think a lot of people, when they start growing, they forget about the the core customer, the people who made Allbirds, who they are, the people who bought that first shoe and who wants to upgrade. So how did that go into the thinking of, I want to go back to making sure that the core customer is getting a better shoe
1: now. Yeah, it's it's like anything else. It's you tend to make something more complicated, and you start to have multiple, you know, demos and audiences and psychographics that you're targeting when instinctively you knew at the beginning that there was a there was a um, early 30s young professional just in the early stages of family or or thinking about it um they are starting to ask big questions about their place in the world what they're up to um am i making a difference am i doing enough who am i they're starting to ask questions about the provenance of the things that they wear and buy and uh and equally they're busy they're moving around they're active their comfort is important but comfort with style is non-negotiable um and they're flitting between different worlds and now more than ever certainly in the last few years this uh, blurring of the lines between work and play has had a really big implication uh, on the fashion world and um and footwear has been a little bit slow to adapt i think to to that transformation and so there's a real clear sense of who that person is and yet again like anything else you tend to maybe want to have sub segments and (laughs) and and so the ability to you know, with the Wool Runner to go back and and re, re, uh, with the Wool Runner Two launch to reconnect to to that storytelling and that New Zealand c- context, and a little bit of that sense of humour, and taking a word like comfort and evolving it to meet the moment, which I think we we did with that campaign, and the the tagline was uh, "Life can be uncomfortable, but your shoes don't need to be." A little bit, uh, and it, the campaign focuses on all those little little moments of discomfort that we have in our life, whether it be um fighting for the armrest on a plane or going into hug a colleague and accidentally kissing them on the cheek or whatever it is these like moments of tension um was a really good way of 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 expounding on our on our story of comfort and uh we're really really proud of the work hey marketers listen up wistia is my best
0: kept secret for creating videos for your business You can record and edit videos right in your browser and even use their AI to write your script. With Wistia, you can record your face and screen for videos like sales pitches or product demos, And the video editor is pretty much foolproof. Seriously, you've got to check it out. Start creating videos for free at wistia.com backslash millennials. That's W-I-S-T-I-A dot com slash millennials. Yeah, I actually think you all were even a little bit of ahead of your time where I feel like the last like five years at leisure, even less like at leisure has been going up where people are just wearing comfortable stuff to work. I think Silicon Valley probably was the first movers, which makes sense why you were the shoe of Silicon Valley. But now I remember... When I went to work in 2015 and I was wearing like Lululemon um, long pants and people were looking like, why are you wearing athleisure to work? That's not the thing. And now in 2023, it's the norm. Most people are wearing that to work. And most people want that athleisure business type attire that's also comfortable because nobody wants to wear a tight suit anymore or tight pants that don't fit. So I think you guys were way ahead of your time. Not way ahead of your time, but just hitting the early adopters of that trend. And now it's like the perfect moment to go back to, hey, we exist. We Comfort is the thing that people are thinking about right now. You're at home at work. You're working from home. So you're walking around doing the things you want to do. I think it's a perfect moment where you're hitting the right market
1: at the right time. I think so, too. I, I mean, I think, I think there's extraordinary potential for the brand, uh, you know, and I, I think we're, we're seven years into what can be a hundred year year journey. And I, I think one of the big reflections that I've had is that as the organization gets more complicated and you add, and, you know, very fortunate to have the type of growth that we've had and things need to get necessarily even simpler. And I think the other big piece of this, and we touched on it, is the role of culture and creativity. We're a little bit outside of the realm of marketing, strictly speaking, but I, I, I think that probably needs to change. I think culture is a word that we use all the time, particularly as leaders, and oftentimes we don't really know what it means, but increasingly I'm coming to understand that we need to, in the same way that we invest in creative resources for external campaigns for holidays or whatever it is, We also need to invest in internal campaigns that bring our culture to life and that the best organizations are anchored in values that will necessarily guide people to take risks and be creative and to avoid groupthink and to watch out for that creative process where you give everyone a little bit of something and then you have an idea that's so diluted at the end of the day that it's meaningless. And so I, I, I've really come to deeply reflect on the importance of culture and framing that and being clear on that and investing in, in creativity to define our culture for our teams is an essential ingredient of being able to be creative and to to make breakthrough marketing.
0: I think you also see it with all like the great brands of all time. Apple did the same thing. With innovation, they hired the best people, let them do what they do. I just watched a documentary of like Ralph Lauren, how he, he didn't really have, he had a small group of table that he came up with ideas, but he had some sort of ideas, but he was always the person coming with the strategy. And then he had great people around him shaping the strategy. So I think innovation, you need to let your people do what they're great at. And that's the best way when you start stifling ideas and start pushing them down. And I think internal market, people always forget that internal marketing is as important as external marketing and they forget that all the time.
1: I, th- I think that's right. Unless the environment and the conditions are correct, you're going to default to not taking risks. You know, great creativity always has an element of, of, of that and hence clear definition of, of your culture and your values I think is something that i've been thinking a lot about and you know again the best organizations i mean most organizations you know have a definition of their mission statement and of their values and they might have a vision for where they you know they want to go certainly was really important for us but how how often do they invest literally practically in creative content to bring those values to life and to tell stories around those values that guide people towards the types of behaviours that the organisation is really proud of and to guide them away from the things that they're not. And if creativity is essential and important to your organisation, bold creativity, then it needs to be captured and we need to invest in that storytelling internally for our for our people, for our teams, as much as for our external audience. Uh, you called it internal marketing. It's really interesting, but I, I think... For all birds it 's a big reflection that we we could have done that better, um, and this is an organization that has got a lot of people really clearly connected to a very, very clear purpose and i just I just think that we could do more with our internal storytelling to make sure that people understand you know creativity is really really important here, and we want to continue to take creative risks as a brand going into what you just
0: said. That one of the things you didn't do that well was internal marketing at the beginning. What are some mistakes that you did in marketing that you've learned
1: from in the past of the last seven years or even longer with Auburn? Again, I think we've touched on it. I don't think that there's there's mistakes necessarily as much as there is softening of the sharp point. You know, and, and again, let's be clear: we built this brand from nothing to something in seven years by taking risks, whether that be partnering with Adidas, traditionally what you don't do in the footwear industry, partner with your rivals. And we did, and we collaborated on a product or it's writing to the fashion industry urging them to start to label their products with their carbon footprint because we believe that's the future. And so those moments of of creativity and risk taking have been inflection moments for the, for the brand. And I don't think you get where we've got in seven years following a traditional marketing playbook, even if one exists anymore. The boldest moments were about acts of unbridled creativity that then were buffered by the tailwinds of earned media and by word of mouth. And the question is, how do you continue to scale that and have that appetite for risk as an organisation gets bigger? The mistakes have only been... not taking those risks and the mistakes have only been in making it clear to the organization that those types of risks are essential and again i i think we have that i just i think you'd want you'd want to celebrate the fact that those things didn't just happen they happened because people were prepared for something to not work and as an organization gets bigger it necessarily gets i think a little safer and so unless you codify that and you're really, really clear. And you tell those stories. And you tell the stories, Daniel, too, not just of when you caught the, the winning touchdown in the final seconds, but also when you dropped it. But you had the courage to put your hand up and say, I wanted the ball. So I think oftentimes we, we don't do enough to, to surface um, the bad stories <laughs> as well, because they're, they're the flip side of the coin of a culture that's really, really clear and anchored in, in bold, creative uh, risk-taking.
0: The most bonding experiences in sports are not the winning stuff. It's more when you had the hard times in practice together or you puked together running too much or you went together through hard times together. It's not... I can remember the wins, that's great, but the times that I was actually bonded with my team was not
1: through those wins. It was through the times that we fought together and we came through things together. Yeah, to borrow a story from Maori culture that's always stuck with me, the fare is the meeting house, which um, is covered with carvings, pictorial carvings that tell the history of the, the tribe. And it's, it's understood, very, very clearly understood, that you carve the good stories alongside the bad stories, that your history doesn't allow you to edit just to the things that went well. And so is it true with all birds that we've had a lot of things that have gone great and then some things that haven't. And I I think certainly within the the definition of a culture and the celebration of a culture that's really important as an organisation grows as we have in seven or eight years from two people and literally a dog called Walter to now approaching a 1,000 people, that we invest each year in telling those stories so the people that join, they understand that not everything goes right and that the flip side of really successful creative risks that get the headlines when things have, have not gone well. And so I, I think you define an organization by what happens when something doesn't go well and when you drop the ball. But you had the courage to go, hey, put your hand up, coach, I want it. And you missed that shot. And then an organization wraps their arms around you and says, you know what? That took a lot of courage to do that. And so I, I think, again, it's something I'm thinking a lot about and it's so important beyond the creative act is actually the environment that you construct For an organization, for creativity to happen,
0: we got into a lucky period in marketing for from COVID, where things were actually really great with like money coming into the market and everything. And you, when you are in a winning streak, you just forget about the times you lost. A lot of the times, you just because you haven't lost usually. And then when you finally get a loss, if you don't have people who have handled it before, it's hard to come out of it. And it's also, if you go back, you that's why it's important to tell the story. Hey, it wasn't the marketing wasn't like this for for ten for 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 the last three years. It was actually a struggle to get our product out there. We're actually in a lucky streak right now and we should just be thankful that we're in this lucky streak.
1: Well, I think it's a really good point. And there's another nuance to what you're saying, which is oftentimes creativity is born out of constraint. And as we grow and times are good and we have opportunities to leverage technology, hire lots of people, I would suggest that that doesn't always lead to better creative solutions. And oftentimes the beginnings of a marketing story are when we didn't have a lot. We had to be extraordinarily creative. And, you know, sometimes the assumption with uh, innovation and creativity is that it's adding things. Oftentimes it can be taking things away. Think about budget airlines big breakthrough innovation in the aviation industry has actually been about taking away a lot of service, charging people to go to the toilets. They love that one. And restricting and constraining a service so that it could focus focus on extraordinary value. You know, So I, I think innovation and creativity and new opportunities can be born out of taking things away and out of really defining constraints. And there's a MacGyver mindset that I think is important to keep in mind and more, more options, more variables, more, pe- more people, more resources don't necessarily mean lead to better creativity and better marketing. Now
0: is actually one of the best times to be a marketer because that's, there's so much constraint for marketers out there that you have to re- start flexing that creativity muscle more and more. For a lot of companies, they don't have budget right now. And that's like the best time to show that you're a great marketer. It's easy to, when you have millions of dollars to go spend money here and spend money here and spend money here and just do whatever you want. But I think that's a great point. What's a marketing hill you would die on?
1: That it all starts with the product. Unless you've got the product right, don't bother. And I don't know if that's as much like dying on a hill As much as it is just being really honest it's better to wait get that right because the single best thing you can do to grow a business is have word of mouth on the back of an extraordinary experience and again there's no way we could have built all birds with a traditional marketing playbook and marketing can be an amplifier and it can be fuel and it's of course essential, but it was built on the back of a product and an innovation that, that made a difference. You know, the other th- thing I would say is that the storytellers and the product creators need to be together from the beginning. And in my particular class, I was, kind of, you know, I was kind of both. So it sort of helped, but I, I think you need to be thinking about that product and innovation and in the story at the same time and not seeing it as some sort of handoff. That it has to happen very much together, and I, I think that the marketer and the product creator should be challenging each other, so it's complementary. And that's really easy to say and, and harder to do, particularly as things scale. But I think it's important.
0: Yeah, one of my favorite sayings is, "Marketing just kills a bad product faster." <laughs> um, it's it's the true. You can fill a leaky bucket and eventually you could sell for a year or two until people realize it sucks. But you need those raving fans, repeat p- purchasers to keep a, a brand successful. And I think that's what one thing you all did really well is build a brand instead of building just a product. Because if you just build a product, you just, it could be a great product, but if there's no story behind it, there's no meaning behind it is just a commodity on the market another shoe that someone could wear but obviously it's a more comfortable shoe but it's hard to say someone could come with a better story and be to you
1: and then the last thing i'd say is and and we talked about it is you know build the brand from the inside out the culture and the success of your organization is essential and don't just talk about that actually do it and be as creative about the definition and you call it internal marketing, but the communication of what matters to your team as you are creative to the external messages that the world sees and build a brand from the inside out. I mean, it's a little bit facetious as an example, but I, I, I think it tends to hold pretty true. You can tell a lot about an organization by going going into their bathroom. If that's carefully and thoughtfully put together, doesn't need to be expensive products, although it can be, can be about the signage and storytelling that shows up in the little moments within that experience. The best organizations think deeply about the details and they, th- they build it from their people out. And so just, I don't know if it necessarily would be, again, a hill I'd, I'd, I'd die on as much as it is something that I think is, a, is essential to think about as a marketer and as a leader within an organization. Culture, the how, is just as important as the what just think about how many times someone has to hear your message before
0: you buy a product and how many new people you're you're introducing all the time especially when you're scaling organization that new person in your team meeting there could be 5 new people in your team meeting that haven't heard your values yet that haven't heard your story yet that haven't heard what you're talking about yet and there's also people that forget that over time so Creating your values and what you believe in and your story over and over and over is actually so important to build an organization. That's why internal I call it internal marketing, because you have to be top of mind.
1: Yeah, I, I hadn't really heard it that way and and I really like it actually. And and I think again, every year we refresh the holiday creative and we think deeply about it and we wanna make it cut through. I think you've got to think similarly each year about refreshing your connection to the purpose, the mission, the values, and reconnecting people to the environment in which creativity and, by association, great marketing will come from. And uh, that can actually be really fun and extraordinarily rewarding and give you a little bit better of an answer to when people say, you know, is culture important to you and what is it and what is the culture at your organisation and how do you bring it to life? We, we tell stories. We, we tell stories internally about what matters to us and and how we want people to behave and the types of risks that we want people to, to take.
0: The last thing I have for you is where could people find you? Where could people, what is the shoe you recommend for them to to get um, the last minute here?
1: Well, that's, that's, that's a good tee-up. I appreciate it. Uh, allbirds.com and the wall runner too. You can see my mum featuring in a in a refresh of the video that we launched around that that um, that I'm really really proud of, and it's been great to chat with you. Thank you very very much for having me.
0: Thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.